Good morning. We are all called to be good stewards of what God has given to us, to share of our time, our talent, and our treasure. God has given us each the same 24 hours a day. If we're to give 10% of our time, that's 2.4 hours every day, 16.8 hours in a week. And you can do the math from there. It's a lot of time. He's also given us all talents that we can share with one another. He's also given us treasures to share. Notice I use the word treasures in the plural form. And I'll come back to what I mean by that in a little bit later. Because I'm talking about more than just money. In Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. Now a man named Ananias together with with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Did it not belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her alongside her husband. The downfall of Ananias and Sapphira was not that they sold the property and kept part of the money for themselves. The property was theirs to do with as they saw fit. It was the fact that they were trying to deceive man and God. They were trying to get credit for giving away all the proceeds while keeping it for themselves, some of the portion. In 2006, one day when my wife and I were taking a walk, we had not attended a state university, but a private one that was built on donations of many people. I mentioned to her that many people had sacrificed so that we could get the college education that we got. And now it was time for us to step up and do our part. We had previously purchased a small, run-down house for our rental property. We repaired its deficiencies and upgraded the interior to a more modern look. We decided to donate the property for the purposes of endowing a college scholarship fund. We were told by the university that a realtor would need to check out the piece of property, verify that it was not in disrepair, and that there were no hazardous substances on board. 
I spoke with the realtor that we'd bought the house from and told him our intentions that we wanted to donate the house. His expression was priceless. It said, what do you mean you want to donate a house? Are you crazy? A lot of people can attest to that. So we decided we would take the other approach. We would put it on the market and then donate the proceeds. So we sold the property, took the money to the college, set up a scholarship fund with the stipulations that only 90% of what it earned could be given away as scholarships. And 10% of the annual earnings would have to be added back to the principal so it would continue to grow and serve others. Houses in 2006 were not worth anything what they are today. It was a small run-down house. But it's not the amount of money that is important. And I do not say any of this to brag about our philanthropic endeavors. Quite the contrary. I say it all to brag about God's ability to show me how to be a good steward and how to release the hold that money can have on oneself. It's about God showing me how to give it away, to not look back, to have absolutely no regrets or think about all the things that I could have done with that money for myself. That life learning experience has been priceless, and we've followed it ever since. If our life is all about money and our priorities are misplaced, next to the saving grace of salvation that Jesus gave me while hanging on the cross, learning how to freely give something away is the most important gift God has ever given me. In today's society, it's all about mine, mine, mine. Money's like a status symbol. An ego boost about how great we are. It seems that the more we have, the more important we think we are. And the more we seem to want. Our society could not be more wrong. Money is a medium of exchange for buying and selling of goods and services. Not to show one's importance or status. Money as a status symbol becomes a god to us. An idol that we put before our Heavenly Father. In Job chapter 1 verse 21, Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Like Job, I came into this world broke, and I'm going to leave it broke. There won't be any money in my coffin. There won't be an armored car following me to the cemetery. There will be no need for money in heaven. Do not let money take a hold of you. In Matthew 6.20, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Psalms 50.10, For every animal in the, of the forest is mine, and a cattle on a thousand hills. Why do we give? God doesn't need our money. But He does need our heart. He needs to know that we can be trusted to put Him before money and other possessions. 
You have heard it said that you cannot judge a book by its cover. But you can judge a tree or a vine by the fruit it produces. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil, not the possession or the use of that money. Why do we give? We cannot buy our way into heaven. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9 tells us, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In Luke 6:38, given it will be given unto you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There are some religious leaders today who are telling you to sow a seed of ten dollars or more into their ministry and wait for your return of thirty, sixty, or hundred times what you have given. Do not believe them. They are perverting the Scriptures. If what they were promoting is true, would they not be out here on the street corner handing out money, waiting for their own 30, 60, or 100-fold return? By giving to these religious leaders, we're sowing in money into their own personal kingdom, not the kingdom of God. We need to practice good stewardship. Scripture is clear that God does give blessings for our stewardship and our giving. But the blessing may not come in the same form as what we have given. Your blessing may be your job, your health, the accident you were not involved in, or the health and safety of your loved ones, or maybe something else. Malachi 3.10 Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. I'm sure you've all heard that. I challenge you to count your blessings and name them one by one. I ask you, which is more important to you, your possessions or your blessings from God? If you take the time to count your blessings, you might be amazed at how truly blessed you are. In Mark 12, 41 through 44, 43, Jesus sat down opposite place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Are we being good stewards of those things that God has entrusted to us? Do we give of our first fruits or of the last? Do we give our best or just the leftovers? In Mark 10, 17 through 25. 
As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared. All of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything and you have and give it to the poor. And you have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. The rich man's wealth was more important to him than the kingdom of heaven and eternal life. His money was an idol, a god that he put before God of the heavens and earth. He wanted to keep his wealth rather than be a steward of the resources that he'd been entrusted with. We should be content with what we have and not be coveting what someone else has. If we're busy trying to keep up with the status or possessions of someone else, God will not be first place in our lives. Hebrews 13.5 Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-4 through 4, But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that not sound like we are living in the last days? In Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one who had received two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The master gave to each according to their ability. I ask, are we individually and collectively as a church like that lazy, wicked servant? I mentioned earlier about treasures more than money. We've been given something from our master more important than money, more important than a bag of gold. He has given us the gospel of Jesus Christ to share, to go forth and bring souls into the kingdom. Are we busy keeping the gospel hidden and to ourselves? Or are we busy actively and intentionally spreading the good word of Jesus Christ? Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As we prepare for a song of invitation, are we ready to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others? Are we ready to go and make disciples for Jesus Christ? Are we ready to be a steward of all that God has entrusted us with? If you're ready to make a decision to follow Christ or just need someone to pray with you, won't you come forward as we sing?